My name is Ricky. I serve as one of the pastors here. So good to be with you guys today. I love watching those uh, survival shows, Man vs. Wild, things like that, because it goes through my head, man, could I do it? And you, you learn some things and you think, okay, well, man, I don't know if I would have done that. I, didn't, I wouldn't have thought of that. I wouldn't have thought of this. Um, but a lot of those is, hey, okay, if you're in this situation, how can you survive long enough um, to get back to civilization? And, and how can you get out of that situation? So I'll um, give you a few and then see if you could kind of think of, all right, hey, what would you do in that situation? So uh, it snowed a ton recently in Colorado, so this can maybe apply if you go out there re soon. But if you're in an avalanche and you get caught up in an avalanche and you're buried underneath all of that snow, what do you do? Well, to know which way to dig, because you've got to get out from underneath the snow, how do you know which way to dig? Because you're just suspended in the snow. You have no idea. So here's what you would do. You would spit. Because then gravity will tell you which way is down. And so then you know, okay, wait a minute. If I spit and it goes this way, I know I need to dig the opposite way so that I could actually get out from underneath the snow. Okay, next one. If you're high up on a mountain, your plane crashes or you just parachute in somehow and you need to, get, you need to survive and everything and you need to find a way to civilization, what do you do? You just find a river, right? You go down, you find a river, and you just follow it. That's how you would find civilization. You wouldn't try to cross over mountains. If you're ever watching any of those shows, that's always where they get in trouble. Let's just, we'll just go straight up and over. That always ends up being terrible. So you just find a river and follow it down. Okay, let's say if you um, are out to sea, stranded, it, stranded in the middle of the ocean, how do you know which way to go? What, what did you say? Yeah, look at the stars. Thank you. The rest of you are like, I have no idea. Okay, um, apparently Ricky Kenny's doing a lot better with surviving out there. You, the rest of you guys would be like, well, then that's in the city light south. Um, so you'd find the North Star. We, we would keep going. Um, you look at the stars, right? I mean, come on. Haven't you guys seen Moana? Maui, Maui teaches Moana, hey, you're not high-fiving the sky. You know, and he teaches her how to, how to do that. If you're a in a tsunami... Tsunami's coming, you have to find high ground, higher than uh, the tsunami. If you're a zombie apocalypse, you need rules. You need to know what to do. I mean, first, double tap. You don't assume, the, you don't assume that the zombie's dead, double tap. Next thing, avoid bathrooms. And number one rule is this, cardio. You need to be able to outrun the zombie and outrun someone else, as long as you're faster than them. But here's kind of the thing. In all of these situations, or at least most of them, um, there's one thing in common that they all have that uh, for, for you, for what you need. And that is a reference point. You need something, something that's constant, something that's stable to help you know, hey, where do I go? How do I make sense of my situation? You need to look to something else. Maybe that's a star. Maybe that even for a compass. That's pointing to which way is north, to the North Pole. That's something that's bigger than you that's stable, and you need this reference point to tell you, hey, what do I need to do? How do I make sense of my situation? Where am I at? And this is true, not just for extreme situ you know, survival situations in your life. This is true just for life. Every single one of you, whether you know what it is or not, every single one of you has a reference point for your life. And this reference point in your life, it, whether, whether, unconsciously even, will tell you, hey, this is telling me who I am as a person. This is telling me how do I make sense of the world around me? How do I make decisions 
for my life. All of you are looking to something to help guide you and to lead you into who you are, what you should do, how you should think, how you make decisions. And in the passage today, we're going to be looking at people's different reference points, the thing that they're looking to in their life and how that determines how they respond to Paul and Silas showing up into these towns. Uh, and so, and we're going to look at why it's so important to have the right reference point for your life. So if you've got a Bible, open up to Acts 17. Acts is in the New Testament, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. If you've gone to Romans, gone a little too far. So it's pretty far back there. Book of Acts, we're in Acts 17. So uh, we've just seen how Paul, he's going to Macedonia, that's kind of in modern-day Greece, and he was in the city of Philippi. We saw the jailer that came to know Jesus and his whole family. They believed in Jesus, and now, now we'll look here at verse 1. And it says this, after they passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. So, so they're traveling this major highway, or this major, I mean, it's not like cars, but this major uh, Roman road called the Ignatius Way. And they're following this and just going town to town. And, and so they go to Thessalonica, where there was a, synag or a Jewish synagogue. Now, I will admit, as we've been going through this, every time, pretty much, that Paul goes into the Jewish synagogue, the Jews, there's always this group of Jews that rise up and stone him or want to stone him and get everybody riled up. I think at this point, if I was Paul, I'd just be like, hey, Thessalonica, hey, Jewish synagogue, nah. You know what? This has never really worked out that well. But I really appreciate um, Paul and Silas, that they just have this love for the people. It doesn't matter if it doesn't work out. It doesn't, doesn't matter if it goes exactly how they want to. Hey, we're going to go to both Jews and Gentiles, everyone, to point them to Jesus and to know the love of Christ. So they go to the Jewish synagogue. As usual, Paul went in the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah. And so Paul goes to the Jewish synagogue three times, and it says that, that he, he's reasoning from the scriptures. He's explaining from the scriptures. He's proving, proclaiming all from the scriptures. So he's saying, hey, people, I want to point to you to who the Messiah is. It's Jesus. He's the one. He's the Savior of the world. He's your Savior. And he's doing that from the scriptures, pointing them uh, to this. And, and he says, you know, in these verses or in these words that it talks about where it says that he's explaining, he's proving, this means he, that he's having this discussion, this dialogue with the Jews there, answering questions, being intentional to just help them to see, hey, what does the word of God actually say about who Jesus is? And so he's taking time with the people to help them wrestle with this. Verse four, some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, including a large number of God-fearing Greeks, as well as a, a number of leading women. And so some people believe, and I love it how it points this out, even, even affirms uh, these prominent women uh, that are coming to know Christ. And then in verse 5, it says, but the, Jews, some, but the Jews became jealous, and they brought together some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. Attacking Jason's house, they searched for them. So apparently Paul and Silas were staying at this guy Jason's house. They go to his house and bring them, bring, they bring Jason out to the public 
assembly. Uh, verse 6, when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city officials, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Uh, one commentary, when it says the world, the, you know, they, it says they turned the world upside down, it was actually, hey, Paul and Silas were actually turning the world right side up because they're pointing to Jesus. Um, and so uh, they do that, and then uh, verse 7, um, they, they've come here too. These guys that are causing this, this trouble, turning the world upside down, and Jason has welcomed them. They are all acting contrary to Caesar's decree, saying that there is another king, Jesus. The crowd and the city officials who heard these things were upset. After taking a security bond from Jason and the others, they released them. And so their argument against Paul and Silas and, and even kind of Jason this this thing is that, hey, they're kind of causing some trouble, and they're proclaiming that there's a different king other than Jesus. Now, this is a little ironic because the, the people that are stirring up this crowd that have dragged Jason from his house, this, these are these, this certain group of Jews that it talked about in an early verse, these jealous Jews. And so the, the funny thing with that is when they're saying, hey, they're proclaiming another king other than Caesar. Let's get him. The Jews don't believe that Caesar is king either. So their argument is something that they really don't care about. It's something that they don't believe. They're just trying to do anything that they can to just cause trouble for, the, for these guys. And you could tell that the, the, the mob, this crowd and that they've gathered to them, they don't actually really care about it either, really that much. Because when they get to Jason's house, they're, who are they after? They're after Paul and Silas. And, and so when they, they get there and they don't find them there, they don't even go looking for them. All right, hey, we know who's the troublemakers. Paul and Silas, they're the ones that are doing this. Let's get them. Nope, they're just like, well, they're not here. Just give us Jason. We'll just take him. And then it sh shows that they just kind of ha are apathetic about all of this. And then when it says that um, there in verse 9, it says, after taking a security bond from Jason. So what, what that's saying is, is hey, you, if, if Paul and Silas come back to your house and you welcome them into your home again, you're going to have to pay a ton of money. You're going to have to pay this big fee, this big bond. And so this was the way that the, these officials are trying to set it up so that, that Paul and Silas leave and they don't come back. And, and that Jason is no part of this because, hey, if you're going to do this, this is going to cost you a lot uh, of money. And then... Um, Later in 1 Thessalonians 2, Paul may refer to this as what hindered him in going back to Thessalonica. And he says this in uh, 1 Thessalonians 2.18. He says, For we wanted to come to you, certainly. I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. And that might be referring to this um, security bond here. But even though this happened, because we could read verses 1 through 9, and okay, you came in, you preached, and then all of these jealous Jews, they kind of get going crazy, and there's this mob formed, and, and this doesn't seem very good. But, but notice that this is still a very worthwhile trip. God still worked. There was still some people that came to know Jesus, both Jews, prominent women, um, and, and gen, uh, Gentiles that came to know Jesus. And, and then even actually later on, Timothy, he goes back to Thessalonica. And there's a church that is planted, we, and we see that later in 1 Thessalonians. And so just to know, even amongst all of this, this trouble that we see, God is at work. Um, verse 10, as soon as it was night, the brothers and sisters sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. So they go on to a different town. Upon arrival, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Again, just like they do normally. 
verse 11, the people here were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. Since they received the word with eagerness and examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Consequently, many of them believed, including a number of prominent Greek women as well as men. And, and, and so they go to the Jewish synagogue and it says that, hey, even though that it's Paul, even though that it, he seems to be a, a gifted communicator, the people at Berea, they're like, hey, we're going to check this stuff out for ourselves. We're going to look into the scripture and to see, actually, is this what the word of God is saying? Does this line up with, with who you are? And as a result, many believe. And then verse 13, but when the Jews from Thessalonica found out, do you ever just wonder, do these Jews not have anything better to do than just to follow people around and, and just gripe and complain? Um, I'm sure you don't know anybody like that in your life or, or in this world. We just don't see it. But it's just like you have literally so many more things to do with your life. Um, but so they go down there. Um, and they, they, they came there too, agitating and upsetting the crowds. And then the brothers and sisters immediately sent Paul away to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed on there. Those who escorted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving instructions from Silas and Timothy to come to him as quickly as possible, they departed. Um, and in this story, and we've been seeing this in Acts, Paul and, Paul and Silas, Paul and company, they go to this new town, they share the gospel, some believe, some don't, and then some get hostile. And, and then they start reacting in the, these aggressive ways, and they persecute either Paul and, and company, or they persecute the believers. But I'd say that this passage has some, uh, th this can feel pretty normative. Like we've been reading this story for many weeks, and it does have a lot of similarities, but there are some things that are unique to this passage that stand out. One is just, okay, this emphasis on the scriptures. He's reasoning, explaining, proving things from the scriptures, and then the people at Berea are examining the scriptures daily. And, he, and we, even though we see these common reactions from people, some believe, some don't, some get hostile, here's kind of the thing is, why do people continue to respond the way they do? Why do they continue to respond to the gospel, to the proclamation of who Jesus is, the way that they do? And it goes back to what we said at the beginning, their reference point. What is it that they're looking to in their lives to inform them of what is right, what is wrong, what should we do, how should we respond to all of this? And in this story, we see three groups of people in three different reference points, which sets the course for their lives. And so we'll take a look at these three groups. So the first group is this, the deniers. The deniers. So Paul and, and Silas, they share the gospel. They're sharing from the scriptures about who Jesus is. He's the Messiah. And then look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. It says this, but the Jews became jealous. So some believed, we just talked about that, but these Jews, they are jealous. And so they're these deniers. And we see this pretty much every time they, some of them, and then they get angry, they, they come after Paul to get rid of him. Now think about it. Again, when, when Paul goes into these Jewish synagogues, this should be the easiest people to convince of who Jesus is. They know the Bible. It's not like you're trying to come from, from something else like, oh, hey, have you heard about the Bible? No. Is that thing even true? The, these people, they would know the Bible. They would think it's the word of God. And, and, and so these should be the easiest people to, to reason with, to convince of who Jesus is, who the Messiah is. 
And so here's kind of the thing is, why did these Jews not believe? Why did they not believe, and then why did they respond the way they do? Look at verse 5, and I want you to circle, underline this, but the Jews became jealous. Underline, circle, highlight that, jealous. This is the fourth time in the book of Acts that it's, it's said that about uh, a cer- certain people and, that, and why they respond the way they do is because of their jealousy. Notice what verse 5 doesn't say. It doesn't say, oh, and then some Jews also looking at the word of God interpreted it differently. Doesn't say that. Never says that. It says, oh, but some Jews also just, just, just going to God's word didn't see what Paul was saying. Nope, it doesn't say that. So, so Paul is talking to them from the scriptures, and then what's their reaction? Jealousy. That's it. And so this is what it's showing us. The reference point for their lives is themselves. That is what is determining how they respond to everything in their, in their life is because why? What I think, my own life, what is good and what I think is best for me, that is what, is go- what I'm going to surround my life with. That's what's going to guide me in everything that I do. And because they're looking to themselves as their own reference point, they resist the scriptures and they deny the gospel. And I would say that this is probably the most popular reference point in our world today. It even is encouraged in the world that we live in. I mean, think of uh, for us to have this own, uh, for ourselves to be the most important thing and the, and the guidance in our life is us. I mean, think of even the things that we say. Hey, find your own truth. Hey, you do you. Whatever works for you. Everything is about how you define yourself. You determine who you are. You determine everything about you. Don't let anybody tell you who you are. Right? We always say things that like that. That's common language. You define what is right for you. You define what is wrong for you. And, you, and, and I would say we live in a culture that our reference point is, is us, and so everything is about making decisions to make yourself happy. And if push comes to shove, this is a question for you, is what does your life flow around? What is the reference point for your life? I'm not asking you what it should be, but think about that. Be honest with yourself. What is it in your life that is the reference point of your life that you're saying, hey, really, when it's all said and done, I'm making decisions based off of this. And maybe it's yourself. Maybe, now some of you don't just just approach, you know, when when you're faced with it, let me give you an example. When you're faced with the decision in, in your life, what's your first impulse? Is your first impulse, man, I'm faced with something, I need to pray about it. Hey, I'm faced with something, let's look in God's word. Or is it just basically, well, what do you think about it? Now don't let, and we, we do this not just with our life to help us guide decisions in our life, but we actually, because the reference point is it, many times in our life is ourselves, we actually take that reference point into us when we come to the Word of God. Don't let your life interpret Scripture. Right? Many times we come to this and we say like, I think it says this. I think it says that. Now I get it, you're trying to interpret it. I, I get that part of it, but at the same time, your, many times what we do is we, we, we let our lives tell us what the Word of God is meaning. 
And we let our lives interpret the Word of God rather than the Word of God interpret our lives. There's a bit, that, that's a very sneaky thing. Because again, think, these Jews that became jealous, that, that, are, that are following Paul just to stomp him out, to even maybe kill him, and to stop the gospel, these deniers, they knew the Bible. But they were not changed by the scriptures. They were not changed by the word of God speaking to them. And that can happen to you. You can, you can know all the Sunday school stories. You can come week after week and listen to somebody speak and you're not actually moved, not actually changed by the word of God because here's the reality, because you're not looking to God, to his word to shape you, to speak to you, to guide you, even when it offends you. Sometimes I think in this world we, we get shocked when we don't agree with the Bible. I mean, if you were in a culture where everybody is very vicious to each other, and there's a lot of fighting going on, the scripture's telling you to forgive somebody else, that's kind of offensive. You would be thinking, what about justice? What about what, about what somebody did to me, to my family? I don't know if I like that, but for most of us, we probably really like that part of the Bible. Oh, I love it that it's all about love and forgiveness. Yay! Oh, but, but when the Bible speaks to you on what is actually God's design for sexuality, we don't like that. Mm-mm. Don't tell me what to do. And, and, and so what we do is we pick and choose what we think the Bible is saying. Why? Because of, well, I think. It's okay if I ignore that part. You know what? That's just for them back then. That's just a cultural thing. God, God doesn't think that now. Why would you think that? Because it doesn't agree with you. Not because you agree with Scripture. And many times we, did, you know, we, 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 we just pick and choose. Maybe, maybe we resist God's word when it, because of our schedule. Maybe we resist God's word because it's convenient. Or maybe we just resist God's word because we think we're smart enough. I'll figure it out. No problem. And we deny God's word. We resist God's word. Not just because we're wondering if it's all true or, hey, can we believe all this? But because the refer the, you're already coming in with a different reference point of your life, and that's yourself. It becomes all about your preferences, all about what you think, all about your wisdom. And it looks like this. Well, I think this is best for me. Well, I think that the Bible really thinks this, means this. Well, I, I think that God just really wants me to be happy. I mean, picture this. Let's say that later on in this, this afternoon, I go up to a hospital and, and I just kind of find my way in there. And there's this doctor and they're, they're about to do br open brain surgery. And they're, they're looking at the, the x-rays, they're looking at all the diagrams and they, they've been talking with this patient and they've been going over this, they've taken all the classes. And I just roll up there and be like, hey, you know what, I minored in biology from, you know, like 17 years ago. And you know what, doc? Here, give me that. Give me that scalpel. Here's what I think we should do. Let's cut right here. And I think we should just kind of remove this part of the brain right here. And I think, I think they'll be golden after that. That's, I mean, if I did that, he, all of you would be like, that's insane, Ricky. Because nobody cares what you think, Ricky. 
Nobody cares. The doctor actually shouldn't care. No one in there, the nurses, nobody. You shouldn't care. Why? Because they're a trained professional, a PhD, that has done these surgeries multiple times. And, and you're just happy that you know that this is the sternocleidomastoid muscle, and you don't even know what it does. <laughs> nobody cares. But here's the thing, you would quickly recognize how insane it would be for me to impose my thoughts because you know that I have so much far less knowledge, so much far less wisdom. But here's the thing, we do that to God. Hey God, the creator of the universe, the one who knows my heart better than me, but you know everything. Hey God, well I think as if God needed our advice. Or if God's like, wow, that's a great thought. That hasn't occurred to me. <laughs> right? We would, we would recognize that in our lives. This is what Psalm 19, 105 says. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light unto my path. Not what I think will show me the way. Not what I think, but your word will show me where to go. Your word will show me where I'm at. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and not lean on your own understanding. So we see here that this group of Jews, they deny God's word, they resist the gospel because their reference point for their lives is themselves. Here's the second group. Second group is this, the ignorant. Look at verse 5 again. So these je uh, jealous Jews... They brought together some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. Now, I, when I think of this, I imagine these, the, this gr one group of Jews going into the marketplace, and, and, and who are they picking? I mean, they're, they're just like, all right, hey, we're going to form a mob. Who's going to be good for this group of people? All right, well, you see, that guy over there, he's, he's just kind of talking with some kids. That's probably not a good guy. Hey, this lady, she's doing some crochet. No, no, she's not in. Oh, hey, wait a minute. That guy over there, he's just biting his toenails with his teeth. That looks like our guy. Hey, that guy over there, is, he's wearing an Iowa Hawkeye shirt. I bet he's really good. Let's get him. Let's get the guy with the mullet. Oh, wait a minute, that's the same guy. All right. <laughs> you know, and, and so, the, so they're just kind of picking and choosing these people over there to form this mob. And, and when, it, when it says there in verse 5 that they, they, they got these wicked men from the marketplace, what that's kind of saying is that the, in the Greek that would be saying, hey, there's kind of like these what the Greek would say they're worthless. Because why? They're just these loafers. They're just people that are, that are hanging out in the marketplace. They're not really doing anything, uh, much of anything. And so many times these people that really didn't have much to do, they would come to the marketplace and they would listen to somebody speak. And they would either just kind of encourage them or they would heckle them just based off of what they say. And then they would just kind of, they're just kind of loafers. They're, they're people that are just hanging out, not doing very much. And so in this, the, the, this, the reference point for this, this mob, so to speak, is just going with the flow. They're just jumping in with what everybody else is doing. They're easily swayed. They're ignorant. And, and, and for you today, is this your reference point? That you're just easily, you don't, you, maybe you don't even really know your reference point. It's just like, well, I don't know, just basically your reference point is, world, tell me what to think. News, tell me what to think. 
hey, I know, I'm faced with the decision, what should I do? I'll Google it. I'll just look on Facebook. I'll see what's popular opinion. And I'll just go with whatever the culture is saying. What, is that your first instinct when you're faced with things, is just to go online? Here's one. If you really want to know yourself better, do you first and primarily look to some sort of psychological assessment to tell you who you are? Enneagram, tell me who I am. Now, are those, are those helpful tools to help you know, know yourself better or to know other people better? Sure, those are fine. But I'm just saying, the key part of that is, do you primarily look to those things or even first look to those things to tell you who you are? Or is it, God, you tell me who I am? Psalm 139 says this, Lord, you have searched me and you known me. Yeah, he asked later on in, in, in Psalm 139, he asked God, you search my heart. You tell me who I am because why? You know every hair on my head. You know all my inner thoughts. And I see more and more people just going with what the culture around them is saying is good. Or, or I mean, let's get real, real personal here. Do you just agree with everything that your political party says? Ooch right? Rather than, God, you have spoken, and let's not see how I can bend this into a political system, but how the political system or political party should be looking to this, and I'm going to look to this for my truth, and if maybe I don't exactly fit in a political party, why? Because you're, probably your Bible doesn't fit in one. Paul warns about having your reference point being being what everyone around you thinks and is saying. And he calls us to maturity. Maturity. This is Ephesians 4, 14. It says, Then you will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their de deceitful scheming. Guys, if we're looking to the world to tell us what to think, just, just quickly ask yourself a question. Is the world... Primarily looking to Jesus. No. So when we say, oh, it's popular opinion, that actually should maybe cause us to pause and be, hey, is that God's opinion? And not just God's opinion, but is that God's truth? Is your reference point what everybody else is, is saying? Jesus relied on Scripture. I mean, if anybody, I think, could kind of maybe get away with it, it would be Jesus. But when he's tempted, he doesn't just say, hey, I'm going to rely on my wits. Hey, I'm just going to ask one of my friends, how do I get out of this situation? But when Satan tempts him face to face, Jesus, bam, goes right to Scripture. He's relying on the Word of God. So be honest. Is your reference point, the thing that tells you how to think, who you are, what to do, is that just the world around you? And that kind of fits in that ignorant group. So we've seen two groups of people, the deniers. They resist the Word of God. They resist the gospel, because they're looking to themselves, and then the ignorant who are looking to what everyone else is doing. Group three, and this is the receivers. Look at verse 10. As soon as it was night, the brothers and sisters sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. Upon arrival, they went into the synagogue. The people here were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, and here's why. Since they received the word, underline, circle, highlight, received the word with eagerness, and examined the scriptures daily. 
to see if these things were so. Consequently, many of them believed. This, this group, they looked to God's word. They're not looking to the people around us. They're not even looking to themselves. Hey, God, you have been speaking. You have been showing us who you are. And as a, as a result of that, they get to trust in Jesus, and they know the living God. And, and Paul comes in here, and he shares this truth with them. But they're like, hey, wait a minute. That sounded really great, but we're still going to test it. We're still going to look in here and see if that lines, if what you're saying really lines up with the word. And so they examine the scriptures. They're looking in. They're digging in. Let's let the scriptures tell us what is true, how to think, and who God is. They don't just rely on what Paul tells them. And, and we, I want that for you. I don't want you to just rely on what I say. This is why I even just encourage you to underline things in your Bible. I know that's just a little thing, but it's like, I, want, I don't want you to just sit there and just be like, yes, Ricky, that's amazing. You're so funny. I want you to look in the Bible. What is, what is the Bible saying? We, in, in city groups, that's why we encourage you to study the passage before the sermon. We want, we want the sermon to yet help come alongside of you in your study, individually or in your study as a community. We don't want it to be the highlight. We want it to work together as you're studying the scriptures. But the reality is, in our world today, that many people rely on listening to a sermon once a week to inform them of who they are, to, to rely on their biblical training, to help them to know Jesus. And, and, and I'll just be honest with you, if, you, if that's what you're relying on, is just a once-a-week sermon, you could be led astray probably pretty quick, either by a false teacher or just by, by yourself or by stuff out there. And so we want you to look into God's word to hear from from him and, it, and this is what psalm 119 says it says teach me O lord not just teach me teacher but teach me god to get into his word i mean even even just think about what the what jesus says is the greatest commandment Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now, I think Jesus is really just talking, hey, love the Lord your God with everything, all of who you are. But he's not saying, hey, leave your brain at the door. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. And you, for us to, to love God, to really know who he, we have to know who he is. You can't love what you don't know. The more and more that I've gotten to know my wife, Christy, the more that I love her. Because the more that I've gotten to know her, and the same is true for you. As you search the word of God, the more that you get to know God, the more that your affections will be stirred for him. And here at Bria, they're, they're examining the word of God, and it says daily, often, not every once in a while, but this is a regular part of their life, they're digging into it. And it says they did this, they're doing this in community. And so here's just a few challenges quick challenges for you if you're not in a city group get in a city group just like it says they did this they're doing the, they're studying the scriptures in community we need to be doing that community because it's not just about what you think the bible is but hey we yes we want the word of god to speak to us his spirit but to be doing that in community if you're in a city group get in a huddle it's just a smaller group of people 
to just say, hey, let's really dig in. Let's really pursue Jesus together. And, and I'll admit there are days that I have only gotten in the word of God because I just knew I had that kind of accountability with my huddle. I was like, well, hey, do I really want to do this today? Hmm, nah. You know, new episode of WandaVision's on. That'll be cool. Oh, man. You know what? These guys are sharpening me. They're pushing me. All right. Here we go. Let's hop into Romans. So that'd be one challenge there is get in a city group, get in a huddle. Here's another one. When we gather together to get in the word, open your Bible. Look at it. Take some notes. Be active for your city group. We, we, you go through the passage ahead of time. Study it ahead of time before you get to group so that, so that you have something to offer, offer to the group, but also so that you're engaging with the word. If you're in a huddle, do the study. Don't just show up all the time, never studying, but like, hey, actually do it. That's what it's there, to sharpen each other. Each day, here's one. Each day before you get in on social media, get in the Word. I mean, just, just come, maybe this next week you just say, okay, wait a minute. Every day before I get on Instagram, before I get on Facebook, before I get anything, I just got to at least read a verse or a little passage, whatever. I'm just going to get in God's Word before I do any social media things. Why? Because I want to hear from God before I hear from just the world around me and seeing what... Oh, cool picture. Here, here's another one. Memorize one scripture a month. Just pick one and just go over it day after day after day to memorize, to hide God's word in your heart. Make a plan. Set a time. Set a place. Know what you're going to read. Hey, I'm just going to hop on the Bible, the church's reading plan, or hey, I'm just going to read through this book. It doesn't matter how fast you go through it, but just you know, make a plan to help yourself be intense with that. Last challenge I'd give you, don't be discouraged. Don't, don't be discouraged if you, oh man, I missed a day. Hey, don't beat yourself up. Don't, don't be discouraged too if you're getting in the word and you're just thinking, I don't feel anything. I don't know if I really noticed a difference. I've been reading this thing for a week, two weeks, whatever, and I don't really know what's going on. That's okay. Don't be discouraged by that. It takes time. You don't get in shape just by going to the gym one day and reading for three and working out for three hours. That would be great. But it just, it just takes consistency and takes time. So just trust that, that the word of God, that the spirit of God is moving your life and that the word of God is just seek, seeking into you, shaping the way that you, change, that you think, that you do things. So just don't be discouraged in any of those things. Now, you know, we saw these three groups of people with these reference, reference points, the deniers that were looking to themselves, the ignorant that were just looking to the crowd, the Bereans that were looking, that were receiving the word of God. But what I don't want you to do is just to think like, hey, look, these people in here did this and they did that, so don't do that and do this. See you later, church. I don't want you to just leave with that because there's also somebody else that is at work in this passage. What is God doing in the text that we just saw? It doesn't seem that explicit, but I, but I want you to know it's not just them doing things, it's God doing something. What do we see God doing in this passage? And here's what God is doing. God is revealing himself. He's making himself known to them. The Father sent Jesus the Son, and then Paul is sharing, hey, and this is why Jesus had to suffer and so Jesus, in his suffering, in his pain, the price for sin, he's revealing and raising from the dead, he's revealing who God is. This is who I am. This is the good news. 
The Spirit sent Paul and Silas to the people of Thessalonica, to the people of Berea. Why? Because God wants them to know him. And so in all of this, God is showing us who he is, and they're sharing from the Old Testament scriptures. Why? Because God is revealing himself in his word. God is showing you today, revealing himself to you today to let you know, hey, this is who I am, and I want you to know me. I know you. I want you to know that the greatest joy, the greatest love, the greatest life that you can ever have is not in stuff out there. It's not even in you. It's in me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm revealing who I am to you. And so the, the encouragement that for you today is, is not, hey, just go get in the Word. Just go do it so that you can know more stuff or so that you could just think differently or make better decisions or behave better. That's not it. The, even the reason that we go to God's Word is why? Because God is revealing who He is through His Word. God, I want to know you. I want to see who you are because guess what? As you've given me your word, you are showing me who you are so that I might know you, so that I might be saved, so that I can might have new life in Jesus. And so if, if, if you haven't trusted in Jesus, if you don't know him, here's the good news is that you can know God. Not, not, not that you can know some religion, not that you can know some kind of system that you could fit in, but so that you can know God. And God is making himself known to you, and he's, he's making himself known to you through Jesus and said, hey, I've sent my son Jesus, and he died for you, paid the price for your sin. And, it, and you, you can have a new life in me. You could be forgiven. You can have joy in, in me, not because you're a good person, not because you've done something, but it's only because of what Jesus has done for you and that he's paid the price for your sin. He's died in your place. And so you can trust in Christ and receive that free gift of salvation in Jesus and know God. So if you don't know God, if you haven't trusted him, you can do that today. You could trust in Christ. And if you, if, if you do know God, if you have been walking with him for a while, you can know more of God as you just read in his word, more of his goodness, more of his love, more of his heart. And as, as you sin and mess up and then you start to question, man, what does God really think about me? you know, hey, wait a minute, the Word of God has told me who I am. The Word of God has told me that I'm loved, that I'm a child of God, that I've been adopted into His family, and that I'm made right. Why? Not because of anything that I've done, not because of my righteousness, but because Jesus has earned it for me. This is what First Peter 2, 2, 3 says. It says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Hey, may you crave God's word. Why? Because you've tasted that the, word, that the Lord is good. You ever had a spiritual or a, a food craving? I mean, sometimes I'm like, gosh, man, I just love a cookie. Why? Because I've tasted cookies and they're awesome. <laughs> and the, I mean, have you tasted the Lord that he's so good? And he's so beautiful, so amazing. I want to know more of you, God. Please continue to reveal yourself to me through your word. My soul longs for you. And just like Paul says in Philippians 3, nothing compares to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ our Lord. I want to know you. And so as God reveals himself to you in the scriptures, we get to, we get to know him. But which group will you be like? Which, which reference point are you going to have 
for your life. We can be people that are we can be people that aren't pulled just by our own desires or flesh, but we could be people that are centered on what God says is true. And we aren't swayed by just the news, by popular opinion, or by any of those things, but we could say, hey, we're looking to God. We're looking to his word because he is showing us what is true, what is good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we thank you uh, that you are revealing yourself to us, Lord, that we can know you. Um, and so, Lord, I pray, Lord, that as, as we we do need to confess something else other than you to tell me who I am, to tell me and, and it's the world around me, Lord. Help us to be honest with ourselves and, and to just take that to you. Know you, Lord. Why? Because you are so good. You are so amazing. And so, Lord, we pray that you'd work in us in amazing ways. Lord, we ask this in your name. Amen.